This is the Thorn Podcast, Performance Edition, the show that navigates the complex world of sports science and explores the latest research on diet, nutritional supplements, and the human body. I'm Joel Totoro, Director of Sports Science at Thorn. As a reminder, statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products mentioned are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Thorn Podcast Performance Edition. We're so excited to be joined today by Dana Santis. She's a best-selling author, health and wellness expert for CNN Health, and all-around champion of health, wellness, and performance. Dana, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me on. We've been friends, Thorne and you, and we travel in the same circles, so I know a ton about you, but can you give our listeners a little bit about how you became the mobility maker and what that name means to you? Sure. The name, I didn't come up with the name. Actually, it was one of the lightning athletic trainers who came up with the name, and it probably was seven or eight years ago, right around the time when I was launching social media. I know I was a little late to the social media party, but I was busy working with teams and I just, social media wasn't a thing. I am a little bit older, I think, than a lot of the people who have jumped into it full board. And um, it was CNN, it was Turner Broadcasting had sent me a new contract that was requiring me to have social media. And the stars just aligned because it right about that time, you know, my, my work had evolved from basic yoga into so much more focus on biomechanics and movement quality. And so we weren't calling it yoga sessions anymore. Uh, we were calling it mobility sessions. And, and I think someone called me the yoga teacher or something. And Mike was like, no, she's not the yoga teacher. She's the mobility, the mobility maker. And I just thought, oh, that sounds cool, right? And then he kept it up. And then because he was calling me that and I had to come up with social media, I was like, all right, on social media, I'll be mobility maker. And now it's hilarious because my husband has been with me because I don't think anybody would believe this, but it's happened a couple of times when he's been with me and we've been in a parking lot. And another time we were in an airport and someone just starts running up to me going mobility maker. I didn't even think they know my real name. So yeah, that's pretty much how that name happened. As someone who is called the food dude way too many times, I can totally, <laughs> uh, totally uh, relate to that. Food dude. I love it. Right. But hey, it's intuitive and it sticks, right? You were really one of the first people in the performance industry that I knew that was really championing the importance of breathing, mobility, mental health and wellness alongside all the physical training and kind of the traditional training we had done. How have you seen the kind of the adoption and the attitude towards, you know, your area of expertise, you know, instead of uh, just being like, oh, we do yoga every other Wednesday to a really integrated part of the athlete experience? Well, again, I have to say the stars aligned. I came into this at, at just the right time when professional sports was really ready for it. It's crazy. So this was almost 20 years ago when I had first had this idea to bring yoga into pro sports because I, I loved sports and I loved movement. And after talking to some pro athletes, finding out that really they weren't doing, I mean, this was in baseball in particular, they weren't really doing anything that you would even call mobility back then. It was insane. It was like, you know, a few stretches where basically they're just talking to their friends, like, you know, the pregame kind of stretches, they're not paying any attention to what they're doing, you know, how they're holding their body. It's just a necessary evil. We do this, you know, if it feels like it hurts a little bit, it's probably good. And then, and then we play our game. So I, I realized that there was a hole, but I also did not realize 
in the grand scheme, everything else that was going on. I mean, it's easy to say, oh, they weren't doing mobility, but they were doing so many other things packed in their schedule. Now I knew yoga as most of the general population knows yoga. It's an hour is like a short class. Usually it's 75 minutes or 90 minutes. And you, Joel, you know, having worked in, in pro sports, you know that you don't have gaps like that in a schedule to fit something like that in, right? If you're adding something new, it has to be efficient and effective. So I would say that I did like traditional or even yoga for sports in pro sports for about six months before I realized I didn't know what I didn't know. And I had a whole lot to learn. And again, as I said, stars aligned, the timing was just right because the strength coaches, the athletic trainers, even some of the managers, even some of the old school guys were recognizing that, wait a minute, we need to put some more focus on actual movement quality beyond what we're actually doing. And then they were able to educate me on what the demands were on the players. So KB, who was strength coach for the Rays, was introducing me to everybody. And one of the strength coaches he introduced me to was Tim. And I was probably 15 minutes into a conversation with Tim. And he said, are you familiar with Gray Cook in his work? I remember now, I, I if you named, you know, the yoga masters, I knew who they were. Gray Cook, who is now actually a really good friend. Um, and we both speak on the Perform Better Tour. And I had no idea who he was then. We didn't have Amazon Prime, by the way. And so when Tim told me about his book, it was a good thing that this was early in my three weeks down here because Amazon existed, but I had to wait like five, six days for the, the book to arrive at my hotel. And it was, I still have it on my shelf, Athletic Body and Balance. Are you familiar with that book? I am. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So yeah. I got that book and it was life changing. It was literally career changing because here I'm looking at, you know, all of these exercises that at face value look like yoga, but he's cueing them in a more corrective sense. He's cueing them uh, based on biomechanics as opposed to in yoga, although yoga I, I, has gotten better and it yoga itself has definitely evolved since, you know, 20 years ago, but it used to be more about the postures or the flows, or, you know, it wasn't so much about precise movement or movement patterns, but Gray was speaking this other language that I hadn't heard before, but definitely resonated with me. So that changed everything. A hundred percent agree with what you, what you talked about. And that kind of leads me to what I would consider under explaining one of the areas you've, I think, enlightened a lot of people, even, you know, at the highest level is the importance of breath work. And I think so many of us specifically on, you know, the non-athlete side, like, yeah, I mean, that's, we just, we don't think about it. It's not, it's just normal, right? Can you talk a little bit about one, why we should be looking at breathing patterns and kind of some of the downstream effects of being kind of intentional about your breathing? Absolutely. Oh, it, yeah. Well, thank you for teeing that up because it, it's such a great segue from, you know, the, the first career changer for me was that introduction to Gray Cook's work and FMS, his book, and just approaching movement from that angle. The second enormous game changer in my career was being introduced to PRI. And I'm going to just keep dropping name, names and strength and conditioning, not necessarily player names, but we can pick them all up later. But Eric Cressy is the one. And Eric, Eric and I have been friends for a long time. 
I knew Eric back when he didn't live in Florida, when he just lived in um, Massachusetts, because we had, I think it was a couple of the same Red Sox players we were working with. And that's how we were first introduced. And I went into his Hudson Mass facility and he was doing all of this strange, like asymmetrically positioned breathing work. Like he had players in these weird positions and, and I'll admit that I felt strange. Like, I'm like, this dude's supposed to be a strength coach and I'm supposed to be like the yoga master. So I'm the breathing expert. In reality, I had to face up to the fact that I had no, no understanding about the biomechanics of breathing. And I would say that, especially at that point, most of the yoga instructors out there did not have an understanding of the biomechanics of breathing. And I would go as far as saying, you know, even now, um, thankfully it's become a, a lot more mainstream, but there are a lot of people who would be telling you how to breathe and not really understanding how the diaphragm works or that it's actually a skeletal muscle or that it influences movement. I didn't know any of those things. The whole cue breathe into your belly, which I avoid now like the plague, but I used it because that was taught in yoga. Obviously we can't breathe into our bellies. There's no lung tissue in our belly. If you start to break it down, you're like, wait a minute, this makes no sense, like zero, zero sense. And so I always say it's a well-intentioned cue because what you're trying to do is get someone to breathe deeper and lower as opposed to being chest, a chest breather and a vertical breath. But that's where the well-intentioned part ends. And then it just becomes nonsensical truly nonsensical. And people will argue with me, oh, it's just semantics. No, it's not. The diaphragm attaches to your ribs. It's a skeletal muscle. Your ribs have to move in order for it to contract and relax. It's, I mean, if you think about your bicep, right? Like, unless you're doing an isometric contraction, your bicep is a skeletal muscle. It's acting on your elbow. So just think about the same concept. We need rib movement to facilitate that. When you're just pushing your belly out, your ribs aren't moving. And then, you know, in sports, and I, I know I'm, I'm starting to go on a little bit of a rant. I will come back, I promise, and explain the whole PRI thing and Eric Cressy. But since I've already started to go down this road, we talk a lot about T-spine rotation. And I know I already brought up baseball as an example. I do work in all sports. And actually, I'll bring up hockey as another example of this too. But we talk about T-spine rotation. What attaches to your T-spine? Your ribs do. We don't detach our ribs from our T-spine and rotate it independently. So when you're working on T-spine rotation exercises and you're not thinking about leveraging your breathing for rib mobility to facilitate that T-spine rotation, what are you doing? What are you doing, right? You have, if, if you're stuck in a, like a less than optimal breathing pattern that lifts your rib cage up because you're a vertical chest breather and then keeps it stuck there, how are you ever going to move from your mid back? How are you ever going to rotate from your T-spine? And your T-spine should be the most mobile part of your spine. Instead, you're going to be trying to move from your low back. And then we're going to end up with these back strains that I get brought in all the time to work on guys. And the first thing I do is I address their breathing because that's probably the primary factor. Now I'll step back from my rant and go back to Eric Cressy. And I'm, I'm standing there and I'm watching him doing all these weird breathing exercises. And when I get over my ego about, oh, I'm supposed to be the yoga person who knows all about breathing. I say, what is happening? What are you doing? And he tells me about PRI. He tells me that, you know, breathing is a movement pattern. 
I'm fascinated. Within two weeks, I'm in my first PRI course. And then eight courses later, I actually feel like I have a pretty good handle on this stuff. Now, I owe a lot to PRI, but I will say for the the folks out there who are listening to this, who've ever taken a PRI course, it's really heavy stuff. And I work in, um, remember I talked about having to be as efficient and effective as possible. A lot of this PRI stuff can be complex. It addresses tons of asymmetries. If you're not seeing the player every single day, it's really hard to institute. And that's what I was found finding is that I'd have these great breathing exercises with very specific directions for positional breathing drills, but I couldn't get compliance because I wasn't there to babysit them to do it. So after like banging my head against the wall, you know, I have this really great information. I PRI has these amazing exercises, but without compliance, what am I doing? So after doing that for about a year, I decided I'm going to go lowest common denominator. I'm just going to get guys to understand that their breathing should be more horizontal. It should be focused on rib movement. I'll come up with a few simple exercises. I have one that I call the breathing bridge. Um, And what's really cool is people do it all over the place now. And it's not like I invented, you know, a glute bridge. It's, there are some specifics about how you come up into it and, and, but, and you put your hands on your ribs and you're, you're um, really focused on rib mobility as you do this exercise. I came up with the specifics for that, but now everybody's doing it. I mean, every athlete, and there are hundreds, if not thousands of athletes that I've worked with at this point on this, they've got it in their warmups and it changes everything because it changes their breathing mechanics. So, and then some other positional drills that I came up with. And what I found is if I don't address the asymmetry and just clean up the breathing mechanics, a lot of times any kind of asymmetrical issues resolve themselves because the breathing got cleaned up. I know that was a lot. Sorry. I get excited. Hey, we love passion on this podcast. So I I think that's actually a great segue into what the next question is a question I know you get asked a ton of times, Uh, you know, something like the glute bridge and kind of, you know, starting with do something, something's always better than nothing, you know, uh, at a strength coach uh, uh, would institute the suds protocol, which was show up, do something right. Something's always better than nothing. I love that. But you get the question a lot. I know I get the question a lot. I'm not an elite athlete. How does this apply to me? Can I use some of the learnings that you have at elite sports for the general population? Absolutely. And if you mentioned in the intro that I'm a health and wellness expert for CNN. And so when any of the pieces that I do for CNN videos or articles for them, I'm speaking to the general population and I'm taking everything that I've learned and that I apply in professional sports and then making it applicable for everyone else. And it's really not a huge leap because you and I were talking before we started recording, Joel, we were saying, you know, they're all human bodies. And going back to that lowest common denominator, you know, once I applied that to breathing, I really started to take a second look at all of the mobility exercises that I was using too, because I was like, let's bring it back to as basic as possible. Let's, let's make sure that we're focused on grooving the patterns, the most fundamental patterns, breathing being the most fundamental pattern movement pattern. And then, you know, the squat patterns, right? Rotation, flexion, just making sure that I can get quality movement in all of those patterns that applies to everyone that whether you're a professional athlete who's playing a sport or you're a desk jockey who's sitting, you know, eight hours a day, even the guys like the, the programs that I come up with them to relieve issues associated with travel. 
those apply. The programs I come up with for athletes to help them sleep better, those apply to everyone else. I, let's see, I've written, I think, over 120 different pieces for CNN since 2013. And it's all just taking that information. So if you go to um, CNN.com and search my name, all my stuff should come up. If you go to mobilitymaker.com and then the media page, all my CNN stuff is there. And for anyone who, who just feels like they don't move well, I, I think I've said it several times now, but breathing is your most fundamental movement pattern. Clean that up first. And I just did a four-part series for CNN on breathing that includes videos as well. So there are videos of the exercises, but in, in all of the articles that are, again, directed towards the general population, there's commentary from pro sports co uh, coaches and athletes from all sports. This is stuff that everyone should be doing, you know, moms, desk workers, not that moms can't be desk workers too. That's was kind of sexist, uh, but you know what I mean? <laughs> One thing I do want to talk about, and we'll, we'll take a break here in a little bit because we have some listener questions, but, you know, we can't talk about training the body and recovering the body physically without kind of thinking about the other, I call it the other 20 hours, right? When they're not with you. How do you kind of coach your, your athletes and your clients to, you know, have the same intention they have around breathing kind of around the whole wellness, I guess, spectrum? Well, as much as possible from the very beginning, I try to establish buy-in, Right. Because if I can show them that these little things can make a profound difference, then I've got them. Then they're all in. Once they, once they buy in, then I don't have to babysit them, right? They've already seen that it works for them. So I'll use the example of, of the breathing stuff because it's what I always start with anyway. Like in the NFL, for example, when I'm working with a team, a lot of times I'll do like an intro session that is with a bigger group. And then we divide them up into smaller groups. I'm actually going to be doing that again with the Giants really soon. But I did that with the Houston Texans at one point. And what I did was I took their primary quarterback up to the, the top of the room where everybody could see him. I had talked about the importance of breathing. I introduced everybody to the breathing bridge exercise. But before we did the exercise, I did a, um, a quick measure in front of everybody of the internal and external shoulder rotation of the quarterback. Now, and I'll show both arms because we're humans and most of us have two arms. So I show the internal and external shoulder rotation before we do the exercise. Then we do two sets of breathing bridge, either five or six breaths. So it's 10 to 12 breaths total. That's it. But now I'm getting them out of the vertical breathing pattern and I'm putting them into more of a horizontal breathing pattern. We're mobilizing their ribs and we're getting their diaphragm to function as optimally as possible in those 10 to 12 breaths. So I do that. I take everybody through the 10 to 12 breaths. Then I recheck the quarterback because we want his arm to work really well, right? So I recheck his internal and external shoulder rotation in front of everybody. And there can be a change up to 30 degrees. And, you know, there's like this hush that goes over the room and everybody's like, holy shit, what just happened? And that's how you get buy-in because then they're like, wait a minute. And I'll even like press them further. I'll say, okay, you guys were watching. Because it's like a magic trick, right? Because <laughs> everybody's like, I don't understand. I, did I stretch his arm? Because it's the last thing we do at this point now. We know better than to do sleeper stretches. You're familiar with what a sleeper stretch is. Gosh, darn it. You know, why were we doing that? We've got the, the shoulder joint is the most shallow mobile joint in the body. 
why would we why would we crank on it to try to get more mobility let's let's create as much instability as possible that's really excellent too like in in hockey if we have unstable unstable shoulders and we're being slammed into the boards like it's a recipe for shoulder separation so that's how that but that's how i do buy in how i get buy in another positional breathing exercise that i can do where i can show an immediate change is an internal hip rotation which is really hard for a lot of people to achieve. There aren't a lot of really great exercises to work on it, like stretches, which is what most people think, oh, to improve mobility, I need to stretch. I am pretty much anti-stretch because stretching can provide relief. Stretching is not really enhancing your controlled functional mobility. You, you need to figure out what is it that's hampering your mobility, which is usually a movement pattern. And again, we use breathing. If we can optimize breathing, then we can see where there might be some real issues that still remain, but clean up the breathing first. Once I get that buy-in, now anything else I tell them to do, because I only have a few magic tricks up my sleeves. So I have to impress them first, get them to be like, whoa, this stuff really works. And then they'll do anything else that I ask them to do. And they're going to do it in their own time, like when I'm not there. And, and I, I reinforce that constantly too. Like I, this morning I was just at the Blue Jays and I always say to them at the beginning of the session, remember, you'll feel good after this session, but that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to empower you to decide which of these exercises really work for you. And then I'm going to explain to them, you know, where you can program them, but then it's up to you to keep doing it. And it's like, oh, really? Because they think I'm just going into this session. I can just mindlessly go through this. I, I'm there to show them no, because if I just did that, then no, they wouldn't do it. They would rely on me and I'd have a job forever. But what I'd rather do is empower the athletes to be able to do this stuff on their own, you know? And then going back to what you were saying uh, about how you needed to understand like what the strength coaches were doing. I went as far as getting my CSCS not because I wanted to work as a strength coach, but I really wanted to understand what does, what does the other programming look like that they're doing so I can complement it. So I'll come up with exercises for guys that they can superset with their lifts. You know, obviously I don't program anything without talking to the strength coach and saying, Hey, I'm thinking this might be a good place to put this. You know, what do you think we figure it out? And then we put it in. And that goes back to what you were at asking me before about like how this all evolved and became something that's more integrated. It's really been the strength coaches and the players buying in and integrating it. And that's been super cool for me. Yeah. And I think, you know, you talk about that's a perfect example of the efficiency and you don't have 90 minutes. I don't have 90 minutes in your day. You don't have 90 minutes in your day. So, you know, if you're already doing some kind of exercise and figuring out how you can just incorporate some other movement patterns in there, I think it's excellent. And I love nothing more than when I listen to podcasts and I have homework when I leave. So I think we've given a lot of people some things to think about. Uh, we're going to take a little break here, come back with some questions and, uh, you know, maybe give our listeners some of the tools to, to learn more about how they can incorporate these practices into their day. Sounds great. This is Joel with the Thorn Podcast Performance Edition. Do you have a health question or suggestion for a guest or topic that you would like to be featured on the show? Reach out to us on Instagram. Our handle is at Thornhill. 
ask us a question or a topic you'd like covered, and we'll try and cover it in future episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to the show in your podcast app. Get updates on the latest in medical research, the insider scoop on performance and health insights, and more when you subscribe to the Thorn Podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, we're back. Uh, Dana, let's get into some questions from our audience. We talked a little bit earlier about, you know, show up, do something and, and making one small change. You've got something that's called the MoFlow Minute. What is that and how can people find it? Well, it's the Minute MoFlow, but that's okay. That that works too. You know, I never thought of that. MoFlow Minute, Minute MoFlow. Yeah, it, either way. Oh, but you know, the whole MoFlow thing came from the head strength coach for the Giants, Craig Fitzgerald. The first time that I met him was at Under Armour. We were both speaking in an event and he just, he, he kept saying, Dana, you know so much about Mo. You just, and I'm like, who's Mo? And that's what he was calling mobility. He was like, Mo. And he, and, and, and he's like, it's cool. It's like what you do. It's like a, it's like a Mo flow. I'd never heard this before. And I thought that sounds awesome. And I had been doing these things on Instagram because you could only do a minute. This was before IGTV, right? So you had to cram everything in a minute. And I thought, you know what? Efficient and effective. If I can go through all three planes of motion in a minute, right? I'm always trying to, to, again, go lowest common denominator with my guys to get them to do what they need to do in the shortest amount of time. So I was like, all right, let's get them to go through all three planes of motion in a minute. I started posting these videos on Instagram after Craig gave me the MoFlow thing. I was like, all right, we're going to call it the minute MoFlow. And I used that hashtag and then it caught on and, um, and people were sharing, they would do my minute MoFlows for a while. I was doing it every week. Then they asked me, you know, can you catalog these and put them somewhere where we can find them? So then I put them on YouTube and I think I must have like 30 or 40 up there at this point. I, I did get to a point where I stopped doing them every week. I apologize for that, but the the library of them still exists. You can find it on my website. I think I even went as far as buying the uh, URL Minute MoFlow. So minutemoflow.com should lead to my website, but if not, it's mobilitymaker.com. And then you can just um, on the drop-down menu, find the Minute MoFlows or on my YouTube channel that I don't use very often, but they're still up there. And yeah, I, I will focus on certain areas sometimes. And then sometimes it's, it's a warm up, sometimes it's a cool down, but sometimes maybe it's just upper body. Sometimes it's more of a focus on hips, but I always make sure that we're going through all three planes of motion, because as you know, we spend a lot of time in the sagittal plane, even in the weight room, you know, we think about rotation. So we do get transverse plane but we tend to overlook the frontal plane. And so all three planes of motion, that's what it is. Yeah. And uh, you can't convince me you don't have a minute in your day. You can convince me you don't have time for a 90 second or 90 minute session, but you've got a minute, right? And what I love about kind of having so many, many sessions is, you know, your body and you're like, oh, I feel significantly better when I do this one. What's the next one? I love that. And that kind of leads to the next question. And this may be asked and answered, but I've never changed in my life. I'm super inflexible. Can I start? Where do I even start? And then the second part of that is another question. I struggle uh, picking and sticking to a routine. Help. 
Okay. Well, I do think we sort of answered that first one because it, my answer will always be breathing. Breathing as a movement pattern. So treat your breathing as a movement pattern, work on mobilizing your ribs. You're going to notice that so much ends up loosening up. And you had actually touched on this regarding posture, how your breathing changes your posture. I actually do a presentation where I talk to people about posture and breathing being the, the same thing. I mean, your rib cage takes up almost 50% of your axial skeleton and the biggest dictator of your rib cage position is your breathing. And you're taking upwards of 24,000 breaths a day. So if you can optimize that, you're actually fixing a whole lot of stuff and you won't even real, realize until after things start to change. Like I've had players where we're doing breathing stuff to deal with back pain issues. And two weeks later, they're like, Hey, I used to have TMJ and like my jaw, like it doesn't click anymore. Does this have something to do with it? Yes, absolutely. Because remember all of that, like stress of, of that uh, vertical breath, we're recruiting muscles in our neck and all of that will go up into your jaw. It's insane. So there are so many things that will clean up just by starting with breathing as a movement pattern. So absolutely start there. And then the second part was about consistency, right? Like yeah, sticking, creating, sticking to a routine. I think that if you really and truly do start with the breathing, you're going to get the buy-in from yourself. Just like the way that I described, I get it from the players because you're going to feel good and you're going to realize that it's not a huge time commitment for an enormous payoff. So it's like, all right, let's, for example, say you start doing the breathing bridge exercise in your warm up before you lift. Because in this hypothetical situation, I'm going to have this person who asked the question, we're going to assume that they already lift, right? That they just don't do any mobility stuff. Is that fair? Yeah. I think that's the intent of the question. Yeah. Okay. So you've got a guy who lifts, but he's not doing a whole lot, lot of mobility. This is a lot of people. They'll go to the gym. They've got these things that they do that they like to do that make them feel strong, but there's no prep before and there's nothing after. And then unfortunately at some point there's a breakdown and then they can't even go to the gym. And then like the example of where I got a whole lot of my plates for my squat rack was um, one of my neighbors had all of these plates outside at the end of his driveway. And my husband and I were walking by and we're like, oh my God, are you throwing those away? I mean, like he's, you know, 45 is a ton of four. And he's like, yeah, I, I, and you could tell, like he can hardly move, right? He's, he's huge guy. can hardly move barrel chested. That rib cage is jacked way up. And he's like, yeah, I hurt my back. And my doctor says I can't lift anymore. Now that was kind of a moral dilemma there. I did already explain that I, we have all the plates because I'm looking at him and I'm going, you know, obviously I don't want to say that his doctor's wrong, but I'm going to say on this podcast, his doctor was wrong. His doctor was absolutely wrong. Like I could tell what his issues were and I have six herniated discs, right? So, you know, people think they're going to die from a herniated disc. If, if you're over in the age of 40, there's a really good chance that you already have a herniated disc and you're not dead. And so it's just a matter of understanding your body and being able to deal with it and, and strengthen yourself in a way that you're not going to end up re-aggravating that. So unfortunately, I took the low road there and we went and got a wheelbarrow and brought all those 45 pound plates back to our house. But <laughs> I feel really bad about that now. Anyway, my point is that you want to avoid that, right? You want to be able to still do those things that you really love to do at the gym. And if you just start throwing in the positional breathing drills that you can learn from, even from the CNN articles that I mentioned, 
and, or even as much as I want you to start with the breathing, sometimes people aren't as into it. Start with the minute mo flows, start incorporating, you know, try out a few of them. It's really only a minute commitment. Try out a few, figure out one or two that you really like, start adding that into your warm up. Cause if you're doing nothing, um, what was that? What did you say? Was that phrase? Oh, suds show up, do something. Yeah. Right. So take that with the mobility, show up, do something. You're going to start to notice that it helps. And that's going to be your own buy-in for the consistency. And it's going to make you more durable. And you're not going to be like that guy that I took all the 45 plates from. Yeah. Well, I think in ear defense, I think his readiness for coaching was not there. So, you know, you were just assessing the situation for sure. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it was you actually that said this, but it's something that stuck with me. And you talk about the why to start with breathing is what other exercise can you do that many quality reps in a day, right? Like you're breathing all day. So yeah, I can't curl every second of it. Every day, right? No. So, uh, so this next question I'm going to ask because I know you've got some passion around a couple of them. Having worked at all these events together, running over to the booth, like, hey, I forgot to pack this. What are some of your favorite supplements, and, and uh, kind of how does Thorn play into your your day to day routine? All right. Well, that's that's easy. I mean, Mariva, absolutely, it's my go to. And Mariva was my entry point to Thorn. It was my gateway supplement to Thorn. Right. I was introduced to Mariva at Summer Strong. Now I have, and a lot of people don't realize this because I don't have joint pain anymore. Again, thanks to Mariva. And this is my personal experience, but I have rheumatoid arthritis and I had tried all of the glucosamine supplements. I, my fingers would swell so much that I couldn't wear my rings. You know, every morning, my husband would be rubbing my hands for me just because he knew like I would wake up every morning and my hands would hurt. And it's so funny to talk about this now because it's a memory, whereas it was a reality that once you get diagnosed with something like that, you think, okay, this is my life now. So I've got to every morning, I've got to just, just like I warm up before I work out, I've got to get my, my fingers to work again. I mentioned that, you know, I was exposed to Mariva at first introduced to Thorne at Summerstrong, which is put on by Sorenex, who does Squattober. And so I had started doing Squattober. Well, my knees were killing me and my knees would hurt. Like I was flying around. My knees would hurt when I would be on a plane, anytime I was sitting for any period of time. And again, I just attributed it to, I have RA. This is my reality. I've tried everything. So I remember that um, I was given a bottle of Mariva at the event and I took it home and it probably was like two months before I finally was like, you know what, I'll try this. I had no expectation. So this wasn't even like the placebo effect where I was like, oh my God, it's going to be so amazing. It was just, I'd pretty much thrown in the towel, but I was like, yeah, I'll try this. Holy crap. And again, I understand that this isn't going to be everybody's experience, but I'm telling you my experience was freaking life-changing. That's why when I'm telling you about how I used to be, it feels foreign to me now when that was the reality that I was living in. I was like, what kind of sorcery is this? I have to look more into what Thorn offers. And again, there were more life-changing supplements. I have hypothyroidism and I had been on Synthroid and I had started to develop these lumps on my thyroid that thankfully are benign. I hate to tell people about them because then that's what they stare at when they're looking at my neck, but I do have these lumps. They're benign. They're totally harmless, but I believe that they came on because of Synthroid. Now, whether that's true or not, that's just how I feel because I didn't have them before. So then I looked at the supplements that Thorne had for hypothyroidism. And I thought, what do I have to lose if for six months I try these 
and I see what happens with my blood work. So I didn't tell my doctor and it was the team doctor actually for the Blue Jays at the time that I was seeing. And I didn't tell him that I had switched. And then I went in after six months, because every six months I get my blood tested to see what my thyroid levels are. And I remember them calling me and saying, your blood works never looked better so we don't need to raise your a dose of Synthroid. You're good. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, it was the nurse, not the doctor. I said, as a matter of fact, I haven't taken Synthroid in six months and I actually moved to supplements. And there was complete silence on the other end of the phone. And I'm surprised because the doctor never called me back about it or anything, which was weird. But yeah, so that was at least five or six years ago. And now I've just been taking Thyroxin. Again, this is my personal experience. I want to make that very clear. I'm not saying that anyone else should go off their medication. And this was what I did. This is, and this was my experience. And yeah, so those are, those are the, I can't live without them supplements for sure. But then, um, you know, I, I, I take some others that I know are useful for me. I love Memoractive. That's an awesome newer one that I've started taking vitamin D, of course, like the, the primary ones, but the ones that have really had a huge and noticeable impact on my life are those. And I never, ever, ever travel without them because they've been life changers. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of people who have come up to me and said, Dana told me I need to talk to you, you know? So it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this has been such a great conversation. I think we could do 20 of these in a row and still have stuff to talk about. You've given our, our listeners a ton of different ways to engage with you and your content, but I also kind of want to talk a little bit. They're super fortunate if they want to learn more. You are launching a podcast. Yes, I am. And it's actually sponsored by Thorn. Thankfully, you guys are supporting me in this because podcasting was not something that, you know, was immediately on my radar, but there are so many incredible people in my life that I thought this was a great platform to be able to share their stories. So this isn't a podcast where we're just, you know, we're talking about mobility or uh, of course, you know, a lot of these people are strength coaches or in my field or athletes. And so it might get dropped in there here and there but mainly it's focusing on the actual people. And the name of the podcast is the Real Strong People Podcast. And what we talk about is the stories that really defined their definition of true strength. I work really hard on the podcast to ensure that we're pulling out those little bits that everybody can resonate with. You know, whatever it is that I'm facing right now in my life, I can apply these philosophies. You know, we always want to make the world a better place. And I feel like this podcast is giving me an opportunity to leverage these amazing humans that I know so that we can all help make the world a better place. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm excited about it. And, you know, I think it's great for you and I have been fortunate to, to work with some of these phenomenal humans and get the learnings from them. So I think it's great to be able to share the stories. And, you know, when it comes to athletes or coaching, so many people like they see stats, they see wins and losses but we know how little of the world that is, right? And there's just so much there that I, I can't wait to, to hear and see people interact with. Super excited to see where that goes. Uh, love that we're, you know, kind of continuing our, our decade-long friendship into this next podcast. So love to, can't wait to see where it goes. You've given us so much of your time today. Quick little refresher, where can everybody follow you on social and uh, your website so they can continue to learn more about you and everything you do? Well, that's easy. It's it's at Mobility Maker on all platforms and the website is mobilitymaker.com. All right. Well, excellent. That was great, Dana. Can't wait to, to talk to you more in the future. And thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for listening to the Thorn Podcast Performance Edition. 
Make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on your podcast app of choice. You can also learn more about the topics we discuss by visiting thorn.com and checking out the latest news, videos, and stories on Thorn's Take 5 Daily blog. For this performance edition of the Thorn Podcast, I'm Joel Totoro, reminding everyone to stay active and stay hydrated.